our reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and that's on page 832 in the Red Bible. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to be here. Um. I have to tell you, when I looked at the the title for today, all week I've been thinking about the song, Make You Happy When You Know It. All week. And I kept trying to come up with something else for the children's message. And couldn't. (laughs) So, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? If you're happy and you know it, what else should you do? Stomp your feet. What else should you do? Say amen. Let me hear it. Amen. Amen. What else should you do? What is it? Do all three. All right. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, and shout amen all at the same time. Yeah. But is that all we're supposed to do if we're happy and we know it? We have to show it. We have to show that we're happy. So if we're standing there with us, tell other people why we're happy. What? Tell them how the song goes. I thought you were going to tell them how, say tell them how they could be happy too. Yeah. Well, that kind of makes me think about, you know, all the times we're happy. And we can be happy, and we can show how happy we are, and we can clap, and we can sing, and we can um, dance in the aisles. We can do all of that when we're happy. But what do we do when things aren't quite the way we want them to be? Clap your hands, stamp your feet, and say out amen anyway. Absolutely. Because...
Okay, so you could stomp those bad moods away and clap the good ones in, right? Yeah. Oh, so we stomp out the bad ones. So things don't always happen the way we want them to. Things, there are always things that go wrong, things that aren't the way we want them to be. And our scripture says rejoice anyway. Rejoice always. So when things aren't going quite the way you want them to do, this was going to be another children's message that we didn't do today. Um, when things aren't the way you think they should be, we still need to rejoice. We still need to clap our hands. We still need to say amen, hallelujah, because if it's not the way we think it should be, that doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It may be the way God wants it to be. And sometimes God puts us in places or has us go somewhere that we don't want to do. We're like, man, I really don't want to go over here and do this today. But you know what? Rejoice anyway. Be glad that you can be an instrument for God, that he can use you to do something, whether you like it or not. I'm sure Paul didn't like being in prison, but God used him in a mighty way from that prison. He rejoiced anyway in chains, in prison, cold, beaten, but he still rejoiced. And we have a lot to rejoice about. Sometimes we, we, we're not too happy when we have to get up early in the morning to go to work. But we can rejoice, first of all, that we have a bed to get out of, that we have a job to go to, that we have things to do, right? We might get mad because somebody didn't do something, but at least we have that person in our lives. And we have the thing, whatever it is that they didn't do, that can still be done. So there are, we need to look at those situations when we think things aren't the way we want them to be, and we don't want to rejoice, and we don't want to be happy need to look for the other side of it to see what it is God wants us to learn from that. So, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, stomp your feet, shout amen, and do it all together, and let everyone know that God is good. Let's pray. Amen. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you so much for all the ways that you show us your love and your grace and your mercy. Help us to remember to rejoice always to show the happiness that you have put inside of us to others and to tell them how they can have that happiness too. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I guess to something completely different. But this is, uh, this was last minute.
Thanks, guys. <laughs> you guys, Tim had never even heard that song before this morning. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> right. So, um, you know how sometimes I say I come up with the, the title of the sermon sometimes months before I actually preach it, and then the day of the sermon, I'm like, that's not where we're going. <laughs> so I love that Barb focused on if you're happy and you know it, because that's not where we're going. Um, people are people, so why should it be you and I should get along so awfully? Let's pray about that first. Lord, thank you so much for this day and um, for your creativity and your gift. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to learn something about ourselves and about you through this sermon today. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's Veterans Sunday, like I said. It's also Persecuted Church Sunday. We are grateful for and proud of our veterans, and we probably wouldn't need their service if people didn't get along so awfully. Right? Persecuted Church Sunday, same deal. Our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world get tortured and killed every day, imprisoned like the Apostle Paul, because people get along so awfully. Maybe the reason people get along so awfully is because people are people. Did Depeche Mode think of that? I don't know. Um... We are about to meet two ladies who are famous for getting along badly. <laughs> also, they have really crazy names, Euodia and Syntyche. Um, Paul has a solution for them, but first, we're going to read this, this opening verse from our passage today, Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. In what way? Well, this starts with a therefore, right? So we have to go back and see what we looked at last week. The end of chapter 3, Paul is talking about living up to the level of faith and Christ-likeness that we have reached, but not just plateauing there making sure that we live up to where, wherever we are in our faith, but continuing to pursue Jesus as our ultimate prize and to continue to try to become more and more like him, pressing on towards the prize. In the Good News translation, this verse 1 of chapter 4 says, So then, my friends, how dear you are to me and how I miss you, how happy you make me and how proud I am of you. I feel like this language is a little bit more relatable than you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. If I said, Central Baptist Church, I love you so much. You are my joy and my crown. You might think that I was being sarcastic or bragging in a really weird way, which, I mean, I do talk weird sometimes, but... If I said, watching you grow in Jesus makes me so happy and I'm so proud of you, that might feel a little more sincere and also you might understand what I'm actually trying to say. <laughs> it is true, by the way, 
I feel like I do see this congregation growing in Christ-likeness, and I am really proud of you. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church again, and he's bringing it back around to where this letter started. The book of Philippians is a letter, and he is he started talking about how much he loves, how much he likes these Philippian Christians, and he's reminding them again. Now he's at the kind of the tail end of this letter, and he is saying, by the way, in case you forgot in all this other stuff that we've been talking about, I really like you guys. And the reason Paul likes these people, which we talked about at the beginning, is they remind him of Jesus. He is completely devoted to Jesus. He absolutely loves Jesus. Jesus is, like he said last week, his prize that he is pressing on towards. And these people remind him of Jesus. And so he loves them, but he also likes them. He longs for them. They are his joy and his crown. And they are standing firm in Jesus, so he's proud of them. By living at the level of faith that they each have, continuing to pursue Jesus and let him change them. He says, this, dear friends, is how you should stand firm in your life in the Lord. Keep on pressing, for, pressing on towards Jesus. Not like Euodia and Syntyche. <laughs> so I've been reading this biography. It is very long, but it's very well written. I don't know if anybody in here has ever heard of the... Um, they're called different things, but have you ever heard of Elizabeth Elliot? Okay, she actually lived in New England at the end of her life. She was the wife, she died a couple years ago, but she was the wife of one of five missionaries in Ecuador. She herself was also a missionary, but the five male missionaries went to outreach a tribe in Ecuador that nobody had ever really gotten to know before, and they were very isolated, and they were also known to be violent, and the five men actually were killed when they, um, when they went to make in-person contact with this tribe. And then Elizabeth and one of the sisters of one of the men, Rachel Saint, went later and moved in with that tribe and told them about Jesus. But what I did not know is that Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint did not get along at all. They both loved Jesus, but Elizabeth had let her grief at the death of her husband, she had allowed that grief to soften her to be more open to other people's perspectives and other people's experiences. And so she was able to adapt to the culture a little bit more and to share Jesus, but she also asked some questions about, you know, maybe the way that people were doing missions. And, and she didn't just sit in, well, this is how we've always done it, and she also didn't get bitter. She just she was softer because of the grief and the loss that she had sustained. And she was living at the level of faith she had achieved. It seems like the biography I'm reading is about Elizabeth Elliot. It's not about Rachel Saint. Um, so there's a little less info about Rachel. 
But it seems like Rachel Saint's grief at her brother's death hardened her so that she became unable to consider anybody's perspective but her own. Her personality might have been a little bit like that to begin with, but so the two women are trying to work, they're trying to do the same thing, they're trying to share Jesus with this tribe, and Rachel can understand where Elizabeth was coming from, and she would make things really difficult for Elizabeth. And Elizabeth would try to, and she would say, you understand what I don't like about you. And Elizabeth was like, no, please tell me. <laughs> please tell me. And Rachel would just say, no, you know, you know. They never, ever, ever managed to make things work. At one point, I think this only happened one time, other leaders in their lives got them together and said, hey, you guys have to work this out, but they didn't, the leaders didn't actually help. Maybe some of us have been in similar situations. I have definitely been in a similar situation where you've been with a person and you need to work together for Jesus, and you're trying, you're both trying to, and you both love Jesus, you know that, but you just don't like each other. And for some reason, you can't get over that hurdle. You, you try, you might even both be trying, but it just doesn't work. And when that happens, it actually affects the people around you, and it holds back the work of the kingdom. And Paul, we don't know what was going on between Euodia and Syntyche. All we know about them is, Paul says, you two need to start getting along. And then... He says to somebody else, his loyal companion, we don't know who that is, please help them because they have done great work for the kingdom. He is advocating something better than just powering through these really hard relationships. He's saying, my brothers and sisters in Philippi, I love you a whole bunch and I'm proud of you for standing firm in the faith, but in order for you all this church, in order for all of you to keep doing this, Euodia and Syntyche, you two have to get united in Jesus. Because it is going to affect the whole church. Last week in chapter 3, in verse 15, Paul said, and if on some point you think differently from him, that too God will make clear to you. He's kind of saying here, ladies, let God make it clear to you what he wants you to do and how he wants you to be together. And, by the way, true companion, we, like I said, we don't know who this is, maybe Lydia, who was one of the founders of the church, or maybe Epaphroditus, who we met, who, was, who went to be with Paul and was bringing this letter back. Um, one, somebody, help them get there. They, they can't get there by themselves. Clearly, these two are having a problem they need some help. The and, they're worth it. These two women are worth it. They have furthered the kingdom along with a bunch of other people. Don't give up on them. Don't let them throw the good work away. He says in the version that Paul read, be of the same mind in the Lord. I don't know that be of the same mind 
means that we have to have the same exact perspective. But I do think that it does mean we have to have the same vision and Jesus has to be the one filling that vision. So we've had a few situations over the past five years that I've been here and probably before that because most churches have them. Um, but, but maybe especially at the beginning of this year where we haven't all been exactly of the same mind. And I can say with a fair degree of certainty that there are some of us in here and we still don't think exactly the same about every issue. Um, and we're probably going to have times down the line where we are not of the same mind. Like I said, we don't need to all have the same perspective. We don't all have to, this might, some of, this might sound like heresy to some of you, we don't all have to vote the same. But we need to let our individual perspectives point us to Jesus. We at Central Baptist Church have had a lot of experience especially this year, learning to extend grace to each other and work through disagreements as they happen so that we can live at the level, we can, so each of us can live at the level with Jesus that we have reached and work together in the same mind. We have worked through some stuff here, you guys, and like Paul said to the Philippians, I am proud of you and I am grateful to God because his Holy Spirit is at work here doing stuff. It's cool. It's amazing. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom, I'm, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, my dear friends. Rejoice! This is the happy part. I, you know I'm the kind of person that like, when there's things in the Bible that say to rejoice and stuff, I'm kind of melancholy bent, and so I'm like, but... Don't worry, things sometimes are bad, but we can still, <laughs> um, and I think people do this with this rejoice passage a lot. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. I never, until I worked on this sermon this week, saw this rejoicing part in connection to Euodia and Syntyche. But obviously, it's connected in Paul's brain, anyway. Don't just grit your teeth as you try to follow Jesus and try to be united with each other. Sometimes, that's what church feels like. <laughs> right? Rejoice. Why is Paul saying to rejoice? He's basically saying celebrate. Why? The Lord is near. Okay. So a lot of us, including me and Paul, we talk about this all the time, actually. We're like, Jesus, when are you going to come back? <laughs> um, and that might be part of what Paul is implying here, the Lord is near to returning. But we still don't know exactly when that's going to be. And until then, the Lord is still near. In his people who are pressing on toward him as the goal. This whole letter has been about Paul saying, I really like you Philippians because God really likes you and you remind me of Jesus. 
Jesus is God with us. And he is with us now in each other. So, instead of worrying, instead of fighting, instead of all those things, rejoice. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Anybody here worry about stuff? Mm, yeah. Paul says, don't do that. Jesus also said that, so I guess I guess he had precedent. Um, but he kind of gives us a little a little step-by-step process to help us not worry so much. Acknowledge your concerns to God. Don't pretend you don't have them. Tell them, tell God what they are. Then ask him for what you need. Then thank him. Before you get the answer, thank him both for how he has responded to you in the past and whatever he's going to do now. The first time I ever encountered these verses was right, I was a teenager and I was getting ready to start a summer job at a camp in Rhode Island. And it was a day camp, but I was going to be living at my grandparents' house. And I was super nervous because I had never done anything like this before. And I was praying and I went into the bedroom at my grandparents that I was going to be staying with, and on the bed was a pillowcase with these verses, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 on it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I was like, oh, hello. (laughs) And so I tried it, and then the next verse says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it will. It happened. These, I've hung on to these verses for years. I made myself memorize them because worry and being anxious is a thing. I, you might know, actually take medication for my anxiety. So these things don't, mean you don't ever have to maybe take medication for anxiety. It doesn't mean anxiety is a sin. It just means give your stuff to God. And he can give you peace. And then think about good stuff. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This does not mean just putting a happy spin on things that are terrible or slapping a bandage, a band-aid on a gaping wound. It doesn't mean we have to hide our head in the sand. It doesn't mean we can we have to pretend that bad things aren't happening. It doesn't mean that we have to force ourselves to be fake cheerful, but just like what you feed your body affects your body, what you feed your mind and your spirit affects your mind and your spirit, and also your perspective. This is probably what was behind Euodia and Syntyche's situation, since he throws their names into the middle of this teaching section. Maybe one or both of them forgot to rejoice in what God was doing and got fixated on what he wasn't doing. Maybe they got anxious about it. 
maybe one or both of them started getting a little bit too fixated on the other one's problems and how that was going to affect their evangelistic work and how that was going to affect the church. And maybe they prayed and petitioned, but they didn't thank God, not just for what God was going to do, but for the other person. Maybe they had become unable to notice whatever was true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy that God had already done in the other person. Because let me tell you, it is hard to notice those things in another person if you don't like them or if you can tell they don't like you. If there is anything that causes division and disunity and squabbles among God's people quickly, it is not actually having a different perspective. It's taking our focus off Jesus and putting it on the other person's shortcomings. When we take our eyes off Jesus, it becomes very hard to see him in another person. All we can see are the, their shortcomings that often mirror ours. <laughs> so, <clears throat> even if we take our eyes off Jesus, it's really also really hard to live at the level of faith we have obtained. <clears throat> but it's very hard to see him in another person, even when we are trying to live mature Christian lives, even when both of us love Jesus very much, if we have forgotten to notice him in each other. So, keep on spending time with Jesus. So that when you're with one of his other kids, you are able to see whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy in them that Jesus put there. Remember, we're all trying to become like Jesus if he were us. What would Jesus do if he were you? We're all on this journey. We're maybe not all in the same place on it. But we can all focus on Jesus and look for him in each other. And then Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In other words, whatever you Philippians have seen in me, Paul, a guy pursuing Jesus so hard that he sees him in everybody, even in these Philippians who really love Jesus a lot, but who apparently have community problems just like everybody else. It's kind of a relief, actually. Otherwise, this Philippian church would be kind of unrelatable. Look for the people who are really following Jesus and imitate them, because they're showing you something of Jesus. When we can see Jesus in each other, it doesn't rule out that there will be things that each one of us still has to work on. We will all still need to work out, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul said a few chapters ago. Treat our salvation with the respect it deserves, as this Paul said <laughs> a few weeks ago. But when we're looking for Jesus in Scripture and in each other, when we are looking for Jesus, truth, nobility, righteousness, purity, loveliness, admirability, excellence, and praise, praiseworthiness in each other, we will know God's mind-blowing peace, the peace 
that passes understanding, and we will know his presence, too, because he's right there in each other. The Lord is near. Lord, thank you so much that you are near. Please help us to continue to push ahead to get closer to you and become more like you, and please help us to see you in each other and to show you to each other in your name. Amen.